Hi, everybody. Before we begin this podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that we're going to release some shows that were pre-recorded before COVID-19, before the pandemic really started to affect our businesses. Here on the podcast and in the school, we've put out quite a bit of COVID-19 content around pivoting, going virtual, and we'd love to get back to focusing on things like creating different business models and all of the things that really help make our businesses grow. I didn't want you to miss out on some really terrific shows, but I did want to make you aware so that you might adjust some of the ideas to suit today's climate. Let's say if someone's talking about running live events, just take a look at it through the idea of going virtual instead. I think you know what I mean. There's no question that it's not business as usual. It's going to be a long haul with this pandemic, but let's just keep moving forward. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast, the show that offers you tips and strategies to help speakers build the business of their dreams. Now, here's your host, 30-year industry veteran and business coach, Jane Atkinson. Wealthy Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Atkinson. And today we are talking about copywriting. Woohoo, fun topic. My special guest is Sarah Marie Anderson. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, Jane. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. And I know you're just coming off a little bit of illness. So we're going to go easy on you today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hopefully, we can summons up uh, enough energy to get through 30 or 40 yes. minutes here. <laughs> now, Sarah, we're going to focus on email marketing, but the goal for this show is really just to get our listeners thinking about copy a little more strategically. So even when they go to write their bio, before they use a term like highly sought after professional speaker, they might think, hmm, has this been said already or could I say it a little bit differently? Do you see some of the same kind of use of language over and over again in your world? Yeah, that's the thing with copywriting is when you are not trained in it and you're just kind of trying to figure out how to do it on your own, you tend to get into stuck in these cliches. You tend to like look at what is everyone else doing? Mm-hmm. What is this person I admire doing? I see that a lot where someone will be like a fan yes. of a Marie Forleo or someone and they just kind of try to be a cookie cutter version yes. of that person. And it's really hard then to stand out if you're just becoming like a clone of every other speaker out there. Yeah. And now you mentioned Marie Forleo, and I see that as maybe too much of a stretch for most people their first time out with their copy because she's really like charismatic and a little bit cheeky, a little bit edgy. And so her style may not even be a good fit for you. But I think that, yes, you are right. Everybody says, I want to do this. Let me look and see what everybody else is doing. And that's where we end up with a lot of sameness. Now, I want to read your bio because you have some good words in here that are not sameness. And I hope people will take note of them. Sarah Marie Anderson is an email strategist and copywriter for course creators, coaches, for service providers with bold digital brands. I really liked bold digital brands. She's hel- so she, you're kind of building us up as you do this, actually. Yeah, exactly. She, she helps ambitious entrepreneurs go from stressing over what to send to their email list to having powerful emails locked in. Love that. Whether you want to welcome fresh subscribers, boost your engagement, or drive more sales from email, Sarah can help you with top shelf email marketing strategy and copywriting. 
find Sarah at sarahmarieanderson.com. So I'm really looking at words that you used that are very uncommon. I mean, you could have just said you're a copywriting expert or something like that. You said email strategist and copywriter. And then you got very specific about who is perfect for you. And I love that you said bold digital brands and ambitious entrepreneurs. And so, of course, I'm thinking, well, that's me. I'm bold. I'm ambitious. Like, how could I not lean into that? I, I, I suppose maybe some people would say, okay, she's not for me, but I don't know who that might well, be. and that's that's sort of the point is you want to use words that can be sort of polarizing that the people that are drawn to it are your people and the mm. people that are like oh, I don't feel that like that is so not me they'll just not even come to you and they're probably not your ideal fit anyway they're probably not someone and I love too how you were saying oh you're kind of building us up with this bio because everything you're writing with your copy even if it's a bio your about page something that you think is about you it's really about your audience Mm. as well it's about helping them see themselves in you see themselves in the way that you can help them and really identify with you in that way too Beautiful. And I love that you talk about being fearless in it because if someone is turned off by you, it may be that you're not a match for them anyway. And be trying to be all things and to serve all markets, don't you think that's kind of exhausting? You probably started out in copywriting serving everybody, did you? It's true. Yeah, I did. I was started out, I was doing, I was actually looking at my old website recently, like my first <laughs> website. And I was like, I'll do your website copy, but I'll also do your sales page. I'll do your emails. I'll do your blogs. I was just doing anything for anyone that would come to me. And as yes. I've grown, I've niched down. And that's, you know, where you said, uh, you know, I could have just said I'm a copywriting expert. You know, I chose to be an email strategist and copywriter because I want to be really specific. I want to mm-hmm. be serving that specific market. And anytime you can get more specific in your copy, it's really great. That's how you get those kind of standout words instead of just saying something that's really general and kind of vague. Yeah, you get really specific. So our goal is to go away from generic. Let's not look at what everybody does, except maybe there's someone who you really, really strive to be like. But I want you to be sure that your copy doesn't mimic theirs. Really be thinking about what is your own personal brand that you want to convey. It could be that somebody else's bio just inspires you to get started, which is perfect, right? Yeah, that's great. And it's great to take inspiration from other people. Like I know I do that as a copywriter all the time. I have like swipe files of different you know, entrepreneurs and business owners that I just love that I'll keep their emails as inspiration when I need it. But it's not the same as like, okay, I'm going to just like plug and play right here. It's more just like to kind of get me in that mood and then think about how do I bring my own spin to it? Exactly. I love Amy Porterfield. I listen to her podcast a lot. I'm on a bit of a pause with it right now because I'm working on other things, but I don't want to necessarily sound exactly like her because her style isn't exactly my style. And so finding your own rhythm, finding your own style is really important. Okay. So let's switch gears and talk about email marketing. You have a list of people, hopefully your audiences, you've been gathering their names and email addresses, either through a text to or some sort of lead magnet that people are leaning into and you've been building a list and yet they join your list and then nothing happens. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is, I think, a lot of my clients or a whole bunch of business cards end up in a shoebox if we want to go low tech on this and they never actually get added to your list or whatever it might be. But this, the system can often break down. But if somebody is new to, say, email marketing, which is what would happen once they have signed up for something, then a series of things should happen. Where's the best place for them to start? Yeah. So when you're just getting into email marketing, you're building your list and you're trying to figure out, okay, what next? I want people to focus on two main things first, and that's your welcome sequence and then your newsletter emails or however you're going to regularly communicate with this list. So let's talk about each of those parts a little bit more. So the welcome sequence or the nurture sequence, whatever, sometimes it's called, you know, a welcome autoresponder. It's Mm -hmm. that first series of emails that automatically goes out to someone once they join your list. And you might have just a welcome email automatically set up. That's just kind of a basic, like, welcome in. Here's, you know, a little bit about me. Yeah, what to expect kind of thing. But you can even do, like, you can build that sequence out to make it a really great way to start building that relationship with these new subscribers and nurturing that relationship and helping them get to know you. Mm -hmm. And that's where I recommend you start. Like there's so many different funnels and different, you know, if you get looking at email marketing, it can get really overwhelming really quickly to think, oh, I need this kind of sequence. I need this automation. I need this and that. But if you can start with a welcome sequence, that's a really good place to begin because that's your first impression that you make. Every person that's joining your list gets to go through it. And it's a really great way to just start people off on the right foot and get them to know you and start building that no like trust factor that we all hear about. Right, right. And, you know, wouldn't you want to really be selling them the, on the idea of, you know, thanks for coming, but let's sell you on what's to come for you so that you'll stay because yeah. how often do people subscribe and then they get that first email and they might say, ooh, you know, I'm out because it's not impressive or it's, you know, it lacks any kind of intentionality on your part or totally. Whatever. And yeah. And your welcome email is the highest open, it's going to have the highest open rate of any email you'll ever send. Like they have really high open rates, 50%, 75%, 80% sometimes. Mm, Which is unheard of. Yeah. If you send them just like this automated one, just from your email service, that's just like, thanks thanks for subscribing to my newsletter. (laughs) Yeah. Are you just... Yeah, that, just and that's in. in response to the little box on your website that has sign up for my newsletter. Let's yep. actually start one step backwards here and say right. nobody wants to sign up for another newsletter. No. You're going to have to dangle a good carrot in order to get people to sign up. So what are some mistakes you've seen even back at that point where, you know, people maybe don't get the subscribers in the first place. Yeah. So those are, there's definitely some things that go on there. Like, yeah, no one wants your newsletter. No one wants updates on your business. No one wants to stay in the loop. They want like a reason to join. So yeah, give them a juicy lead magnet, give them something that will help them do something, help them accomplish something and give them that freebie and then make that opt-in form easy to find on your website for anyone that's visiting. Like don't just hide it in the sidebar of your blog. Like you can put it Mm -hmm. as a pop-up when someone first lands, you can put it in the footer, you can put it on every different page. Uh, I would say on every page, except, you know, like a sales page or something where you want one conversion, but like put it on your about page, put it on your homepage, put it, you know, in your blog, put it at the bottom of blog posts, put it everywhere. You can even have like a little 
bar at the top. You know, there's all these different services that create these different forms for you that make it super easy. Just so you have all these opportunities for people to join and make sure that they don't miss it or that they you know right. didn't scroll all the way to the bottom and didn't see it. Pop-ups are definitely making a comeback. And we had our magnet in the middle of the page and we changed it to a pop-up in the bottom right and our numbers went up significantly. But we were offering something that was compelling like the top three mistakes speakers make when trying to build their business or something that would have people going, oh my gosh, what are they? I don't want to make those. Like you really need something that is going to help people accelerate or avoid something or really move towards what it is that they want or away from something that they don't want, I suppose. Yeah. You you probably have to think about that a lot in terms of, okay, when when you're getting started, what do we, we, when you interview me, because you do some of my email copy writing, you're going to start with what are their pain points? You know, you're digging into all of those things. So we might have some parts of the email that are moving people towards what they want and some parts that are moving people away from what they don't want, which is, you know, the business is taking so long to build. You're doing it so slow. You've wasted so much money and all of those types of things to now you're living the dream of becoming a professional speaker. We tend to focus on the dream quite a bit over here at the Wealthy Speaker School. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you're like looking for an idea for your opt-in, like looking at your ideal client or customer's pain points is a great place to start. You could also look to see, are there common questions that pop up all the time? Are there things that people are asking you all the time? That's how I came up with my current opt-in because it was a question I was seeing pop up in Facebook groups all the time. What's the name of your opt-in? It's called the Boost Your Open Rates Checklist because people were always asking, what's a good open rate? So I have a, you know, I break down, you know, what is a good open rate? What, what do those numbers mean? And then I have five ways that you can boost your open rates. To great. Yeah. Great. Now, see, now you've planted a seed and I'm thinking all of our listeners want to know what that is. So we're going to put it in the show notes, but they can also go to sarahmarieanderson.com if they would like to see that, right? I assume yep. it's right there on the homepage. It okay. Is. Wonderful. So let's talk about some common email marketing mistakes that people might want to watch out for. Yeah. So there's a few things that I see a lot that people want to be careful of. One of them is what I call call to action soup. And that is when you try and cram every single thing into one email where you're like, check out my new podcast, check out this new offer I have, you know, follow me on Instagram, do this, this and that. And you've got like all these links sending people all these different places. And when someone gets that in their inbox, like you'll be lucky if they click one of those links, but yeah. most likely they're going to get overwhelmed. They're going to be like, I don't know what they're trying to get me to do here. I don't know what the point is of this email. I'm going to, you know, delete it, click out, you know, just yeah. forget it because ignore it. It'll maybe it'll sit in their inbox for a while. So one email, one purpose, one email, exactly. one outcome, one, e- one email, one call to action. Is that the the copywriter's mantra. That is the copywriter's mantra. We <laughs> say it all the time. So it's, yeah, one email, one call to action. Just make sure it's focused. Make sure that when someone reads that email, it's really clear to them what the next step is. Yes. And if you have multiple things you want people to do, like you can send multiple emails. It's not like that big a deal to be like, mm-hmm. send, you know, a couple emails in a week. Yeah. You've got a lot of things going on. Right. 
Right. And that's one of our challenges is not sending too many emails. Somebody said to me at a convention recently, oh, yeah, I get your five emails a day. I'm like, gulp. Oh, no. Oh. If that's the impression by anybody, then that's wrong. We, we yeah. don't do that. But if it even feels like it, we do, then we need to back it up. Yeah. So, um, OK, so sorry, go ahead. Oh, another th- mistake I just want to point out to people that I see a lot is with email formatting, something you want to think about when you are putting together emails is that so many of us are actually reading these on our phone. You know, you're writing it on your computer, mm. you're laying it out on your computer and it looks great. But when you see like sometimes those big paragraphs that are like even just a few sentences long, if they're yeah. going five, six lines, that looks like a huge chunk of text. It's really yeah. hard to scan. So that's something to be mindful of when you're writing emails to think about how can I make this easy for someone to scan through, you know, adding some bolding, adding some bullet points, even breaking up with an emoji or a GIF or Mm. a photo, something like that, that kind of makes it easy to read through, easy to digest so that people aren't just like seeing and looking at this big block of text and feeling like, oh, this is so much work to read this email. I don't have time for this right now. That's really good. And I do notice uh, Amy Porterfield's emails are sometimes a little bit lengthy, but they're all broken down into very short idea paragraphs. And Stu McLaren, who is somebody who is a good friend of Amy's, also subscribes to that. And they also do very clean margins, like they're not right across the page. Even yeah, if super you get narrow. Them on email. I, I really like the super narrow look. We've started and that's to great that. too. Yeah, that looks good on mobile, but it also looks good on your, you know, if you're on the computer that you're not like scanning all the way across the screen and like taking forever to read that line. It's really easy to read through it. Let's talk just for a moment about sales emails. When you're reaching out to people, also having only that one call to action is really important. So what is it that you want? Do you want them to maybe schedule a quick discovery call with you? Great. Let's have that be the final line in any email. If you think that this topic is a good fit for your audience, let's set up a quick discovery call and make it feel like it's going to be quick and not, you know, 30, 40, uh, 60 minutes of their time and we'll get this going. I think that that's a good call to action for a lot of emails that people are trying to actually move something forward is hop on a quick call, or it could even be one question. Is this a topic you think your audience would like? And then I can respond. And really my goal, if I'm the decision maker, my goal is to get you out of my in-basket as quickly as possible. If I can hit return and no or yes, you know, talk to me in three months or whatever I want you to do, that it makes it so much easier for me to get you out of my in-basket. Yeah. And you can even do that with like uh, link triggers and some segmenting if you know how to do that on the back end of your email service. Like you could say, you know, is this something you're interested in? Click here for yes, click here for no. And then if they say yes, they can get put into another segment and then you can follow up with those people, you know, in another way. Or if they're like, I'm ready for it now or not yet, you know, you can use that to also make it easy for them and easy for you because then they're automatically on a different list in your email service. And when it's time to follow up, you know exactly where they are, who it is. You don't have to go through individually and try and reply. Such a good idea, you know, because we try to put people into one of three buckets. 
Uh, we have emerging speakers, people who are just starting out. We have intermediate speakers who've been around the business for a few years. And then we have seasoned vets who have been out, you know, speaking for 20 plus years. That's typically the group that we have listening in on the podcast is usually intermediate to season. But we do have obviously all of our listeners. And I think maybe we should be revamping our welcome series to be able to just shoot them, you know, after email number one, tell us which one you are, boom, and then they go down a completely different path. I Although I have had speakers who I think miss, well, I don't know what the right word is, is they chose the wrong one. You know, mm-hmm. somebody who who is like a really seasoned vet in my mind, chose emerging speaker for themselves. And I'm like, why would you do that? I don't know. So it's not foolproof, but it's a good idea to be able to segment. Love that. Yeah. And then from that segment, you know, in that welcome sequence, you can follow up with offers that are specific for those ones. You know, if you have a higher end one, that's for the really seasoned ones. And then maybe it's like an intro offer for those beginning ones. Yeah. It'll help them. And it also helps them to not get overwhelmed by if you're sending something that's not right for them or that they're not ready for, or, you know, and save you from getting people that are kind of in over their heads when they're joining a program or something. Yeah. We have Inner Circle Mastermind that's really for more intermediate or advanced speakers. And we don't want to start marketing that to our emerging speakers the minute they walk in the door. They'll be thinking, well, wait a second. That's not a price point I can afford, but that's also not something that interests me. So we want to make sure we you know, get them into the right bucket. All right. So what are some specific strategies you have for sending out engaging emails? First of all, how many emails should you send and how far apart should they be? What are some of the copywriting guidelines for that? Yeah, I mean, that really can depend so much on your business, your market, kind of what their um, tolerance is for emails. You know, some mm-hmm. of the B2B, we get emails all the time. And I like see emails like several times a week from the same people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, we're all marketers here. It's fine. But like, yeah. if you are more B2C and it's just like they're not in marketing, they're not in business as much, like maybe one email a week seems like a lot to them. Maybe you email. Let's assume we're B2B. I think that's probably the majority of our listeners are. So I would um, say, yeah, for that market, probably once a week is a great minimum to shoot mm -hmm. for. If you do, you know, a couple times a week, if you, if you have the bandwidth for that and you have the content for it, Mm because you don't want to just be sending emails just to be like, I need to be sending emails. But if you have, you know, Mm -hmm. you do a weekly podcast or a weekly YouTube show or something that you're always sending people. And then maybe you have something extra that week. Like you're a guest on a podcast. You're doing an event that they should know about. You know, you can send extra emails that way. And frequency or how, how far to spread them apart. Like talking about your welcome sequence. What I like to do for a welcome sequence is have several right at the beginning. So I'll do maybe like one to two days apart, the first couple emails, and then Mm -hmm. sort of gradually spread it out to maybe about that once a week or whatever the intermediate or, you know, frequency I decide for the regular newsletter. So the people sort of get used to that because at the beginning, that's usually when they're the most interested, the most excited. They're like ready to see your content. And especially if you've got some great welcome emails that get them engaged from the Mm -hmm. beginning, they're like looking for those emails. So you can kind of reel them in with that and then sort of taper it off naturally as and get them sort of into the groove of your regular email marketing. Right. And whatever you decide to do, commit. Commit to if it's going to be Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, which is when we send out our newsletter. If, you know, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, which is when we send our podcast. We've scaled back a little bit on what we're actually sending out in terms of our blog, but 
you know, that's the, that's the time frame, and people can come to expect it like clockwork. And yeah. if we fail to do it, it's really, you know, we're just trying to back off a little bit, if anything. And that really does do a lot to build trust with your list. If they can count on you to have that weekly mm. email out like that, that builds so much trust. If you think about like someone that might work with you, like if you come across as reliable and you know, you can actually like keep showing up, like they're going to immediately have that, like more trust in you than someone that's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to email you every week. And then they don't hear from you for a month. And then, Oh guys, sorry. I was like busy traveling. You know, I'm back again though. Like it just gets kind of like, it, it makes you look a little bit flaky, I think. Or you know, random. Yeah. You know, well, they're, they're thinking about me, but only randomly. <laughs> yeah. Or they're only here when they have something to sell. Like that's really yeah. bad, you know, frequency to get into to just ignore them and then try and yeah. come back like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to launch something. So I better, you know, send out a bunch of emails to get my list back. Yeah. And have a good reason to, to be, uh, you know, what we typically will do. Tell me about the ratio that you feel. We typically try to send out quality content, quality content, then maybe there's an ask or three quality contents and then there's an ask. What do you think the ratio might be to uh, a straight up promotional email versus quality content? Yeah, this too, it varies so much by business because there are some people that they pitch in every single email and that's just what they do. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they do a little story and then at the end, it's just a PS thing. And then there's people that will go like, you know, talking about Marie Forleo again, she only launches like once or twice a year. So it's all content. And then a few times, like in her launching season, she has right. pitches. So it really kind of depends on you and your business model. Do you have an evergreen offer that you can, you know, put in a PS every, you know, so often. And you could do that. You could have like a value content email and then say like, you know, if you're not sending people off to something else, you know, if mm -hmm. you're just telling the story or kind of connecting. Right. Yeah. Because we don't want to get into that where we're we don't doing too much at Serving once. two masters. Yeah. If you have a call to action, then you don't put the PS. Yeah. But if you don't have a call to action, it's just straight up content, then you might have a PS. And I love a good PS ask. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I mean, it feels very non-threatening to say, PS, don't forget, we have the Wealthy Speaker School. For those of you who are interested in, you know, building the business of your dreams. That's what we do over here all day, every day. That's something that I feel really like fine about. And I think people, you know, there's different, there's different versions of aggression, of marketing aggression. And, you know, you want to kind of sit somewhere in the middle, not be not aggressive at all and not be so aggressive that you turn people off, but somewhere in the middle, I think is a nice Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If you're not aggressive at all, if that's like kind of not in your nature, if you're like, I don't want to sell, I don't know how to do yeah. this. That's when you need to consciously like be like, okay, every, you know, third email or every fourth email, I'm going to send an ask. I'm going to, you know, because yeah. so that's something I see a lot of people fall into that they just give, give, give so much to their list and they, you know, oh, I just want to create all this great content for them. But then they're like, email marketing is not working for me. No one's buying my stuff. Because, yeah. Like, well, how, 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 when's the last time you did an ask? Like, yeah. do you, does your list even know that you offer keynotes on this mm -hmm. topic? I am really often pushing my clients out of their comfort zones because 
guess what? The, the number one rule of sales is ask for the business. <laughs> and so if you're in any kind of a business topic, you can even start off with that. Hey, we all know that the number one rule of business is to ask for the business. I bet you didn't even know that I did this. You know, maybe it's something that we could talk about. And I think that especially where we tend to start is with people who already know, like, and trust you, they often don't know when you've transitioned into something different and speaking, is it? And so asking those people, not once, not twice, but like telling them three times, hey, I could use your help, is something that is kind of a good starting point if you're just getting going. Make sure you, you get your inner circle in there. Yeah. And there's that thing like that marketing like rule that it takes like seven touches or something mm-hmm. for someone to convert or some, I don't know, but it does take multiple asks to like yeah. get people to realize that you have something for sale. That's like when you're doing a launch, you have to send multiple emails throughout the launch. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. on the last day, you're sending a couple on the same day to just mm-hmm. make sure people are like seeing it. Cause that's the other thing with email not everyone's seeing every email. So you that's you right. Know, you got to make sure that you're you're talking about it enough that you know the most people on your list understand what you do and understand how to get in touch with you. So I love that. Let's talk about words. <laughs> you love words. I do. Word soup is fun. Uh, talk about some words that you might be thinking about using, how we might my goal is that people just go and examine all of the words on their website, especially what I would call their promise statement. So that's something that's front and center right up at the beginning of the website. So let's say you start out with a promise that says, I help entrepreneurs write copy. You know, just something very basic like that, you know, really looking at it and doing what Sarah has done and say, you know, I'm an email strategist and copywriter for these particular people and uh, service providers with bold digital brands. I mean, that is getting, you know, we start with helping entrepreneurs write copy and we end up with something like that. Now we're talking about some interesting copy, right? How do you know, you know, you can start out with five to seven words just on the page, just saying what it is that you do. And let me ask you this. Would you take clear over clever? Definitely. You want people to understand when they see it, like, what are you actually doing? Not trying to be like really cute about it. And then people are just like head scratching, like, what does this even mean? Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? You want it to be clear so that people get the message. Because people aren't like, most people aren't going to spend a lot of time pouring over your website. Like you've got a few seconds to capture someone's attention. And if you can be specific in that promise statement to like help them see, oh, this is me. Like, like even talking about entrepreneurs and, you know, my example and the bold digital brands, like I don't work for with people that have like a brick and mortar store. So I need Mm -hmm. to make sure that people understand that that's like not them. So like entrepreneurs is so broad that, you know, how can you dial that in? How can you be more specific? And if it's really hard to be specific, if it's really hard to come up with some of these words, it's probably a good indication that maybe you need to do a little bit more research into your market and what it is you're doing and who it is you are offering it to. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's just take a really bland uh, statement like helping leaders communicate better. 
I'm just making this up, so yeah. sorry. Helping leaders communicate better. What could we do? Like I have a little bit of an idea on where to start here, but let me hear what you would do with that sentence, helping leaders communicate better. Yeah. So if I was like working with someone and that was what they came to me is, this is my copy. This is what I have. I would want to know more about, okay, well, like, how are you helping people? What are you doing? Like, who are the people that you're working with? And really getting into like, what is the work that you're doing? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, helping leaders communicate better can mean so many things. Like, are you helping them with speaking? Are you helping them with, you know, maybe marketing communication. Are you in... There's so many different ways that can be that it's like, okay, let's get more specific. What are you doing? So maybe you say what kind of leaders they might be. If you weren't talking about communication, it could be, you know, leaders on the verge of burnout or something Mm -hmm. like that. If it was something to do with helping them get back in balance. Yeah, that's great. That's hitting on a pain point right there. You know, if someone is, if you're working with people that are just like exhausted and are just like overworking themselves all the time. Helping overworked leaders. Da, 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 da. So when we say something like helping overwork leaders, the opposite end of this phrase is going to get to the glory place. <laughs> helping overworked leaders become da, 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 da. Yeah. Or, what is the it, result that they yeah, want? What is the in- result that you want? Maybe it's inspire, you know, resilience and whatever is at the other end. So it's often nice to have kind of uh, this juxtaposition in your promise statement, you're going from here, this is sad and overwhelmed and depressed and what have you, over to here, which is like, oh, this is the place where leaders are shining with their br- most brilliant selves and whatever it might be, right? That's kind of fun. Yeah. And helping them kind of see that transition just in this one sentence. Like if you can do that, that's amazing to help people like see, (laughs) oh my goodness, that's where I am. And that's where I want to go. Like that's perfect. And helping leaders communicate better really doesn't give you that. It's just like, I don't know what that looks like. Like that doesn't really- super sexy. Okay. So let's just start with the communicate better there. What can we- Say, okay, so here's one thing I want to sh- share with people is we're often putting the how into the statement rather than the outcome. So the question then becomes, well, if they communicate better, what does that give them? And I'm all, always thinking in my head when we're working on this kind of thing is show me the money. If they do communicate better, how does that impact the bottom line? So does that mean that they work better as a team and they reach their goals faster or they reach really big, giant goals faster? Like I like to ask a lot of questions like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if they're like overworked, maybe they need help with delegating or something. So it's like Mm -hmm. helping overworked leaders create the dream team. Like that's not a great off the top of my head, but like something like that, that's like kind of getting them to that result where not even that, that that's probably not even the end result they want. They want like a day off, you know, like something like... (laughs) But even your word right there, talking about dream team, like that's a beautiful, juicy place. And that's that's the place of glory that we want them to get there. We're selling a dream here. And I think that that's what people often miss. They're typically talking about how you get there versus where there is. So really be aware of what your clients 
ultimately want. And I think that when you talk to enough people, you can find that out. And when you are sure, this is one of the advantages of picking a lane. You know, that's something that we talk about over here, Sarah, a lot. And you've done such a beautiful job of that. Once you do pick a lane, then you can really speak in their language. So one of my good girlfriends really only speaks to nurses. And how well can she then talk about, you know, how you create more balance? You know, shift work is so brutal and all of these things. She can go right in on those ideas because she's so specific in her niche. Yeah. And that's where it really benefits you to have a specific niche and know those people that you're talking to. And Mm -hmm. like you say, as you work with them more and more, you'll get to know what this is that they want. So it could be that like you go back to some of your clients and ask them like, what was the, like, how were you feeling before we worked together compared to how you're feeling now? You might do that after you work with someone and get like a testimonial from them. And Mm -hmm. you might have those words to pull from and can pull that into your copy and actually use the words that they are using so that when other people like that land on your page, they identify with it immediately. I love it. I love it. We like to ask the question, what changed as a result of our work together, whether it be a speech or what have you? I want to clarify some language. When we talk about picking a lane, we're really talking about topic. And then when we're talking about the audiences that are perfect for you, we're talking about niche. So for instance, my friend who only speaks to nurses, I'm not sure about this, but say her topic is her her lane might be wellness, but her niche would be nurses. So just to get that language across to everybody, because I think a lot of people think pick a lane, pick a target market, pick the people that you're going to be. So just to make sure that that is clear. All right. Any final words that you might have for people who really want to maybe do a better job of copywriting for themselves? And then I want to share your information so they can be in touch if there's if there are people who need help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to copywriting, whether you're writing on your website or your emails, you want to try and remember, like have some fun with it and make it light and write kind of like how you talk. I think a lot of us get, when we start writing, we sort of revert back to that high school or college Mm -hmm. days when we're like writing an essay and it has to be also formal. And it can really be easy and fun and light and like it's easier to read then it's easier for people to connect with you and you feel more human when you write like that so if you can like loosen up a little bit like use some contractions maybe (laughs) make some break some of the rules with grammar once in a while like yes yeah I love it really fun yeah it doesn't have to be so high pressure like no one's grading you it's okay Well, you know what might be an interesting exercise is if you're just having coffee with a prospective client, maybe you record it and just see what kind of things came out of your mouth very conversationally. I think what you're getting at is that it should be conversational writing. It's not starting with, since the beginning of time, man has struggled with leadership, (laughs) right? Yeah, not like topic sentence and then this, you know, instead of that, you could start with a little story about, you know, a time that you were a leader, like maybe like a bad leader you have met, you know, and maybe a bad boss you had or something. Something, yes. like, and just make it conversational. Like that's perfect. 
I love that. All right. Okay. So now let's say people, I have a lot of clients actually who will say, I get so stuck on this work. If they're stuck, what's the first step for working with you? What what do you like to do as a starting point just to see if you're fit fit with clients? Yeah. So if people want to, you know, reach out and see if we're a fit, they can head over to my website and my contact page and send me a message. Just tell me a little bit about what's going on, you know, where you're at in your business. And I'll take a look. And if, you know, depending on where you're at and what you're looking for, I'll we'll set up a call to, you know, have conversation and see if we're fit or if you're looking for something that I don't do, maybe you need mm-hmm. some help with your website. I can usually refer people to another yes. copywriter. I know a lot of copywriters, so yeah. I'm happy to, to send people. I think you might have come to me through Tarzan actually. Yeah. So I've I love that your world is so connected. You know, it's not there's one person that you have to use. I use Sarah for this and Tarzan for this and so, so, so. so I think it's really nice to know where you fit into the big scheme of things things. And I love that you're so specific. Okay. So the website is Sarah with an H MarieAnderson.com. No doubt there were a few Sarah Andersons out there that you were getting confused with. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I actually a pole dancer just, or something yeah. like that. Oh, no. like, yeah. I couldn't get my name as a domain name forever. And then like Sarah Marie Anderson was available. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'll take it. Like, all right. I understand. Yeah. There's lots yeah, of people competing for names these days. You I know, never know what's going to be. I feel for people who have something strange when, you know, they get searched for. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. I loved having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. Love it. All right. And if those of you who are listening in, maybe you're on iTunes or over at Google Play, let us know how we're doing. We have been getting just a beautiful flood of comments and ratings lately. And I thank you all so much for keeping them coming. And we'll start maybe giving out some shout outs to some folks who are listening in on a next podcast. Thank you all for being here. And as always, we'll see you soon, wealthy speakers. Bye for now, everyone. Would you like a chance to win a free virtual coaching session with Jane Atkinson? Go to speakerlauncher.com slash win and follow the instructions there to be entered into the contest. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Speaker Podcast.